hey there high school students, Shadrach here. I'm really excited to be with you again today. I have an in-studio guest, and by in-studio I mean in my car, okay, who I will introduce to you in just one moment. But before we do, I'd like to remind you that you can email us your questions at hsgrounded at calvarycch.org. That's hsgrounded at c-a-l-v-a-r-y-c-c-h.org. O-R-G. All right, on to our special guest. I would like to introduce to you my good friend, Herman. Herman, welcome to the studio. Oh, well, hello. My name is Herman. Uh, my last name is Nutix. We put together is uh, Herman Nutix. <laughs> All right, was that, was that cheesy? Was that corny? Uh, forgive me if it was. I'm hoping that it would be cheesy enough for the word hermeneutics to stick in your head, okay? Because when you read your Bible and are looking for an interpretation or understanding of what it's saying to you, I want the word hermeneutics to come right back to your mind. The word hermeneutics is the science of interpretation. It's so very important that we have some good framework when we read our Bibles to get out of it what it really means, okay? So the very first thing I want to talk about in this area is the word exegesis, okay? And the word ex obviously means out of. It's where we get the word exit. So when I'm reading my Bible, I want to use exegesis to get out of it its intended meaning. Now, there's a lot of people that use a different word, and I don't think it's necessarily on purpose, although there are definitely some that do this on purpose, but a lot of people have this, well, this is what it means to me. And this is a slippery slope and a very dangerous area when it comes to understanding our Bibles. The word is eisegesis, and this is the process of interpreting a text or portion of text in a way that introduces one's own presuppositions, agendas, or biases into the text. They're saying, well, the Bible didn't really mean this. It really means that. And so this is a very dangerous area. So just remember this. Exegesis, good. Eisegesis, bad. We want to get out of the Bible its intended meaning. Now, there's a few ways that we can do that. Number one is context. Context is to keep words in their verse, the verse in a paragraph, the paragraph in a chapter, the chapter within the book or letter, and that book or letter within the Bible. So, for example, if I was to take John 3.16 and read, God so loved the world. If I was to stop there and take that out of context, I could make it mean all kinds of things. God so loved the world. You can live however you want, and God just loves everybody. And in the end, everybody gets to go to heaven. <clears throat> See, that's wrong. And that would be Jesus. You see, if I was to continue reading right after John 3, 16, and I read seven verses 17 through 19, Jesus is very clear. Those that do not believe that he is the Son of God or are not born again, they're condemned. And only those who are born again will see the kingdom of God. And so there's a very stark contrast that if I, again, pull a verse out of the Bible, I can make it mean anything I want. But if I keep it in its context, I keep 
words within their verse, the verse within its chapter, the chapter within the paragraph, the paragraph uh, within the book of the Bible and the book in the Bible, you understand? So it's all going to stick together, okay? And keep it together. Another thing that we can do that a pastor I used to listen to was so good at saying all the time and reminding us that we should let the Bible interpret the Bible. So if I have a verse that's hard to understand, I'm going to look around the Bible and see if I can find it anywhere else. There are some other things that we can do uh, that will help. Are there comparisons? Is there something that is figurative? Is there something that's literal? Okay. And so, for example, if you look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 23... Let's think, should I take this verse literal or figurative? So let's read it. Matthew 1, verse 23, it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with a child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Now, if you're a good Bible student, you will recognize right away that that verse should be taken literal because God is telling us there would be a woman who without conceiving with a man, without having interrelations with a man, would become pregnant and bear a son. And that son, who we ultimately see becomes the Messiah or the Savior of the world, Jesus himself, is God with us. Okay, so literal. Let's look at a figurative verse. Okay, Psalm 91, verse 4. It says, He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. Okay, that's obviously not meant to be taken Literal. God is not a giant chicken or a giant bird that we would go hide under his feathers. You see, the trouble we could create if we're not careful in interpreting the Bible the way it's intended to be. And then there's keywords that we can look for that will help us understand if something is to be taken literal or figurative, as in Matthew chapter 22, verse 2. And often it is the case when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, it says the kingdom of heaven is like. See the word like? It means it's not exactly what he's saying. So for example, if he says the kingdom of heaven is like a giant field, you know, you're like imagining heaven like a big giant field or the kingdom of heaven is uh, like a giant pearl. You know, <laughs> you're imagining this giant sphere that looks like a pearl and you're trying to imagine how do we live inside this giant pearl? You see, so Jesus is giving us examples or parables. It's a truth or an example cast alongside the truth that's going to help us understand a biblical concept, okay? Then the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 14, in this description of Jesus, it says his hair and his head were white like wool, as white as snow. Well, we know what snow looks like. It's super white. You've actually probably seen somebody with really white hair, right? So, okay, that's not hard to imagine. But what about this next word or verse? His eyes like a flame of fire and his feet were like fine brass. You're like, whoa, wait a minute. Are you saying Jesus is walking around eternity with brass feet? Does that mean he's going to be clanging everywhere he walks? He's got flamethrower eyes or something, you know, if he doesn't like what he's looking at, he just, he just flamethrows it or something. No, his eyes are like a flame of fire. His feet are like fine brass. This speaks of judgment, okay? Judgment. And then 1 Peter 5, 8, the devil walks around like a roaring lion. Again, the word like. He's not a roaring lion. He's like a roaring lion. 
seeking whom he may devour. So we get an understanding of the way he is always prowling around looking for someone to attack. Now, there's other things that we can use to understand our Bible better. And as we read, we will see these contrasts, for example. We see in 1 John, for example, the contrast of light and dark. We see in James, the contrast of the proud and the humble. We see through parables that Jesus gave, the contrast of foolish and wise. We actually see that through the book of Proverbs as well. And so these contrasts give us really clear understanding of what it is for, to, for example, live in the world or walk in the ways of the world versus living for Jesus and walking in his ways. And then there's also terms of conclusion, words like therefore, since, or finally. And those words are meant to sum up what we've been reading and bring it to a conclusion. So if you have your Bible again, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. It says, Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, whom is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? So he goes on, for you are bought at a price. Now look at the word, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So I'm not to live for sin, right? I'm not to live in sexual sin. Why? Because my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in me, whom I have from God. Why? Because I was bought at a price. Therefore, I'm to glorify God in my body and in my spirit, which both belong to God. Do you understand? So it's not just, well, I can live and be a Christian behind closed doors. No, it's I am to live out my faith publicly before the world, right? That's what you get from words like, therefore, and you can really get out of it what it means by understanding that. And then lastly is life lessons. You know, how can I take and apply what I'm learning to my life. There's three simple questions you can ask, and I've said this before, when you read your Bible. The first question is, what does it say? That's just simply restating what the Bible says, right? What does it mean? You're looking for its intended purpose of writing. And then, so what am I going to do about it? How am I going to take that truth and apply it to my life? Now, I hope and I pray that you will take all these little things and you will apply them to your Bible reading time and that it will serve you well. I know for me it has tremendously. It's kept me from going off on tangents in Scripture or getting caught up listening to people who go off on tangents in Scripture out of the framework of Herman who? Remember? Hermeneutics. So, I pray that this will help you. I pray that you will grow in the scriptures and that you will continue to draw near to Jesus. The Bible is so clear in the book of James. If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Well, listen, it's been great talking to you today. I pray you have a blessed day and we'll see you next time here on Grounded Podcasts. God bless you guys. <music>